Today on SCC, can money buy respect in the hobby? The crew discuss. Then later, the crew give their insights on how to build your hobby brand. Coming up now on SCC. Welcome to episode 44 of Sports Cards Culture. I'm here with Josh at Cardboard underscore Chronicles, Christina at Christina's PC, Nick at Stiff Arm Wax, and I am Chris underscore HOJ on Instagram. Up first, a content partnership with Slab Stocks. Earlier this week, Christina, Josh, and I appeared on the Slab Stocks YouTube channel with Aaron and Nate of the Slab Stocks team. We went on their show to commemorate the beginning of our content and data partnership with Slab Stocks starting this year. 2022 card ladder will be the data source for slab stocks's sports card content and we will also collaborate with them from time to time to make co-branded content using card ladder data and they have been a leading content and analysis brand in the sports card industry for the last half decade they currently have over 55,000 instagram followers and they create engaging topical sports card content on instagram seven days a week much like we do they also can be found making unique content for YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and at slabstocks.com. So, Josh, before we move on, please say a few words about our new partnership with Slabstocks. Pretty excited about it. Those guys, uh, they cover an area of the hobby, frankly, that we don't cover as well. And that's the, you know, the more investing side of things. And we've always focused on collecting. And so, uh, you know, we've got a, a pretty big chunk of our user base that uses the tool for those means. And we thought this is a good partnership to help us out, help them out. And it makes a lot of sense for their content. And like I said, it makes sense for our user engagement and helping us understand some of those use cases better. Definitely. And they're helping us to make our platform better. We're helping them to fuel their content with reliable vetted data, which is what we specialize in. When we were on the stream, uh, Josh made like three or four tweaks as we were talking uh, and still somehow managed to be fully engaged in the interview as well. Quite the multitasker. Christina, yes. please say a few words about our new partnership with Slabstocks as well. I mean, I think Josh said it best, uh, putting card ladder data accurate transparent data into the hands of even more people is just what's best for the hobby making sports cards accessible to everyone that's their mission statement all right moving on we have a new card letter feature and christina i know you haven't looked at the show notes in detail so just no. don't look okay what would you say are card letters two most powerful most popular f- features um i would say Sales history. Yes. Definitely one one for two. All right. What's the other one? (laughs) Um, Most used and most popular. And most powerful. Most powerful. But remember, Christina doesn't like games. Get it right. (laughs) Don't do whatever you do. Don't let us down. It is also popular. It's very popular. Okay. It is popular. Okay. Because that's okay. Collection. Yes. (laughs) Wow. What do I even write the scripts? Do you just know everything? Okay. I do. Collection collection feature and sales history are probably Card Ladder's two biggest, most popular features. And this week, we rolled out one feature that brings the two of them together. You can now quite literally add a card to your collection with one click. Friction at an all-time low. Just one click card is in your collection josh tell us about this new feature that you rolled out today for card lighter yeah so we had like four or five people message chris message me and chris and i argued about it we we're very confused about it but 
the more that we talked about it and worked through it, like it does make sense. Uh, it's just not the way that we would do it. So I think that's where our trouble was. And, and again, this is like why the slab stock thing is so helpful because they're able to help us see things that we didn't see otherwise, which is, which is what you want when you're building a, a product. So basically what the feature is on the sales history, when you find a sale, uh, and let's say that you find the sale that of your actual purchase, there's a plus button on the sale profile and you'll be able to click on that and it will just automatically generate a uh, template for you to create and add a card to your collection using the details from that sale. So it'll autofill your purchase price, purchase date, the image, uh, the details off the slab, like the player name, the set, the year, all that stuff. And then it'll also inject all of the estimation and the player index uh, automatically. So you'll be able to get the same estimated value that you got from the sale profile and sales history in your collection. So that there's a few things I hadn't thought of when we first talked about it, Chris. And once I actually like added it all up, it's like, oh, look, it actually is pretty slick. I actually used it today. How did you use it? I used it because I just bought a card uh, yesterday and I, it hasn't arrived yet, obviously. So I don't have it in hand using the picture from the sales history and inputting it right into my collection was just like pretty seamless while I'm waiting for the card to come in so I could take a nice scan of it. Yep. So that is the use case. If you're just browsing sales history, you see a card that you once purchased and you say, man, wouldn't it be nice if that was in my collection? With one click, it's in. And the image, if it exists, gets pulled in as well. But if you want to change the image, uh, you could do that too. Okay, before we move on, I want to quickly thank Sports Card Instagram accounts Iconic Card Collector, Exquisite Collector, and Dallas88228 for making the suggestion. Thank you, guys. Okay, can money buy you respect in the hobby? Veteran Collector, Windy City Sports Cards on Instagram, wrote something a few days ago that went viral in the sports card community. And I'm going to read it in full, and then we'll react. Uh, Okay, so here's what he wrote. Big money doesn't mean you are an expert. There are too many people out here with the funds to buy anything they want, and all of a sudden they become sports card Yoda. You gotta put the years in. You can't buy the knowledge that us collectors have accumulated over time. Just because you can buy whatever cards you want, that doesn't mean you get my respect. I've been laughing for the past year or so at all these newbies and clout chasers acting like know-it-alls and experts. Too many people out here respecting a person's pocket more than their character. Karma is a mofo rant over. That was a hot take. So, Josh, what is your reaction to this? Why do you think this was a popular statement among the sports card Instagram community? Yeah, so a little bit more background on Windy City Sports Cards. His name is Gerald. He's been in the hobby for a really long time. He has an unbelievable collection of Michael Jordan, uh, primarily exquisite. I you know he also has really some really nice LeBron stuff. Um, he's been in the hobby for a really long time. I always see him at all the shows. We always have a nice chat. Great guy. Um, my reaction is that I think a lot of people have been feeling this, and he's just kind of saying it. And he's kind of saying what a lot of us are thinking. This was the most shared story that I can ever remember. Like, I think I saw like 30 people share it. And uh, I think that kind of tells you what you what you need to know about this, that a lot of people are agreeing with what he's saying. Um, I've been in, I've been on the other side of it, though, where like I've been maybe like one to two years into the hobby and I've started to like pick up on patterns and want to like teach some things that I've that I've noticed. So. Uh, you still want to be able to like 
give back to the hobby and be able to educate and teach on what you have learned so far. I think the he's picking more specifically on people that are kind of like flexing their money and using that as their means to get ahead in the hobby. And so that that's definitely the thing that, uh, you know, I'm not a fan of either. So I agree. There's a, a meme or like a graph out there that sort of like sketches the, uh, the development of knowledge in a particular field. And you start off thinking, you know, everything. And then the next phase is realizing, you know, absolutely nothing. And then ending sort of at this ending point where like, you're sort of comfortable knowing a few things. That's sort of the arc of the building of knowledge. Christina? Yes? What is your reaction to all this? And, uh, and, and more specifically, do we have a problem in our industry of thinking money can buy respect? I definitely think so. Like, I think that, um, I think it's not just our industry, though. I think that it's a privileged view that people bring into whatever they're doing. I definitely don't think that it's um, unique to sports cards that there are people that act like this. Um, I think it is a problem, but it's also like a problem if you want to engage with it. Um, Like you could be a collector and not be in the hobby. Like you could just buy nice cards and be a collector. But if you want to call yourself a hobbyist, then that's different. And um, that means that you're in the weeds of like what's happening all over the industry and in card shows, in local card shops, on social media. And that is a completely different beast than buying nice cards from big auction houses. Well said. And uh, I'll just chime in this much. I share Windy City Sports Cards concern and my my particular worry is that people who come into the hobby and think that they can remake it in their own image and their own desires when that's throwing aside the years and decades of tradition that literally got it to the point that it's at today. So while there, it's not logically sound to say just because something used to be one way, it must always be that way, or that because something used to be one way and it became successful that you have to continue on in that fashion in order to continue being successful, but I say lean into tradition and lean into the likelihood that the things and the traditions and the practices of collectors that built this hobby to what it is today are probably worth preserving going forward. And it's better to just pump your brakes when you're new, look around, learn from the great collectors who have come before and take in that wisdom and then integrate it into your own style. French Revolution style. Nice. You know, it's not just for the hobby, but I think life in general, people have a much deeper, genuine respect for someone that um, has like real, genuine knowledge and interest in a topic than just using their money to get ahead. And so like, it wouldn't just be the hobby where that's frowned upon. I think, you know, any like the stock market, if you collected cars, I think there's just a much more of a rich appreciation for someone who understands the depth of something and has genuine interest in it versus just coming in with a bunch of money. So I think if you see this and, and you want to make some adjustments in your own personal you know, brand or persona on the internet, I think it's just that you just got to put in the time and, and think about things on the, you know, the passion side versus the money side. Nice. So. I think that like, I, I do want to like tip my hat and maybe be a contrarian since we all just agreed with uh, Windy City's uh, statement and say like, like Chris was talking about that sketch of like people coming in thinking they know everything. Um, 
that view like they might not realize that they're doing what they're actually doing to an outside perspective so um i guess either have patience or just write them off <laughs> like you don't have to get into the drama just ignore those people christina is uh maybe forming the basis for her own instagram story rant perhaps there okay there's still a bit of time left in this episode so we've been through three segments but i wrote a bonus fourth if we got through the first three quickly we did so for our bonus topic today i want to talk about hobby brands and no christina i don't mean hobby companies I mean the personal brand that each of us in this hobby possesses. Whether you're a collector, investor, a dealer, an entrepreneur, or an employee, you have a personal brand in the sports card community. So think to yourself, what is your personal brand? Now, one of the traditional ways that collectors acquire personal brands is by player collecting. So what if you were to ask yourself, how many collectors do you know that can be defined simply by the player that they collect? How many times have you met someone at a show and broken the ice by saying, who do you collect? Think about Christina. What is her personal brand? Well, part of it includes the fact that she is the preeminent Maxi Kleber collector. And as a result of building that brand, she gets DMs from people sending her rare Maxi Kleber cards that they found and that they think she might be interested in. Another way to build a brand is by becoming a subject matter expert. So think of Brett from Stacking Slabs. His personal brand involves being passionate and knowledgeable about professional wrestling. But no one is limited to just one brand, so think about Lameem James. His personal brand revolves around making memes that poke fun at the hobby. And who does he collect? Uh, Trey Young. Trey Young. As one, yeah. Okay, so his that's the, these are the multiple components of his personal brand. So, Josh, what are some advantages of having a clearly defined personal brand in the hobby and how has your personal brand influenced your advancement in the hobby over the last five years? Oh man, there's so many advantages. Um, I think it helps you find your community a lot faster and it helps you enjoy the, the hobby a lot quicker. Like you'll, you'll figure out who has similar interests in, in the things that you have interest in and you've sort of like cultivated this brand around you and, and certain people will gravitate towards that brand as well and want to communicate with you and so you'll build a, a pretty sweet uh, network of of other people to chat with about that i also think it gives a lot of confidence to like whatever your brand is it gives confidence to other people who might be interested in that same thing for example like my brand being sort of penny hardaway when i first started it was like you know he's sort of a second or third tier player but it gives a lot of other people who collected him confidence to kind of continue on their journey and I think that can also help you financially if you're looking for another, you know, side benefit there, which isn't, shouldn't be the primary focus, but, um, I think it, you know, lastly, it just kind of helps you have more fun in the hobby. It gives you something to focus on. It gives you something to, um, you know, look forward to and then build over a long period of time. Because I, one of the things I've learned over the years is if you try to do too many things and you try to like spread yourself too thin, you're, you're just not going to be, you're not going to be great at anything and you're not going to really be fully happy is whereas if you focus on a few a few things and you you go all in on those things and you're very good at them you'll find a lot of joy in those in those things and i think focusing on a brand can really help you with that um how's it how has my personal brand influenced my advancement well i think that you know the cardboard chronicles brand has really been about you know education and storytelling in the hobby and i think it's it's brought me a lot 
closer to the whole community just because everyone has a story, everyone has something in the hobby that they want to share. And so that's that's really allowed me to, you know, meet a lot of people in the hobby and advance my my network pretty greatly. Excellent insight there. Um on the personal brand aspect of this of, of things. Like so much of that resonated kind of with me in my own path. Um, Christina. Yes. How easy was it for you to create your personal brand in the hobby? And do you enjoy having that personal brand? Yeah, I think that, I mean, if you're true to yourself and your interests, it's very easy to create a brand in the hobby. And it can shift and it can change. Like, um, I mean, my brand started as uh, the Michael Jordan oh. insert art appreciated right. like like yeah uh art aficionado if you will and like describing the jordan insert cards that uh our listeners were obsessed with and i would get dms and they'd be like i've never thought of that or i've never noticed this and like this was a really interesting take and then uh it migrated from that to luca collector and then maxi kleba super collector and card ladder girl and and uh it's just been a fun journey it's kind of like um like you're growing up in the hobby and like sometimes when you grow up like your your interests shift and i definitely still love cards and art um and interviewing artists and talking to artists and that's like so amazing to me but um yeah yeah, I mean, yeah, it was. It's easy if yeah. you're just honest with yourself and the people that you're yep. like talking to. Um, that authenticity comes across, and authenticity is key in everything that you do. Definitely, that's that's the one part I want to circle back to of a lot of good things that you said there was how easy it is. Just literally, oh, uh, you know, Grant Hill was your favorite player. Gary Payton was your favorite player. You know, we just naturally do it. You know, we just show up on Instagram and, you, and like really the question of like, what is your personal brand? It really starts with what is your Instagram username going to be? <laughs> it really starts there, you know, and so maybe you come out as Grant Hill Collector or Christina's PC. Exactly. So, you know, we're all we're, we're doing it either way. Right. When we participate in social media, when we go to a show, we're doing it either way. It's very easy. It's very natural. But maybe thinking about it a little more intentionally can help make it a, a, a bit sharper and cleaner. And what of a about personal you? Brand. What about me? Uh, like, what about like your thoughts on personal brand and what is your personal brand? I, th- you know, this whole personal brand idea started occurring to me like a month ago, maybe a little bit less when um, there was this like thing going back and forth on Clubhouse. Like there's this debate that happens all the time. We were listening to it when we were driving to Southern California not that long ago. And it was like, are do you have to keep your cards forever in order to be considered a collector? Or is there anything wrong with being somebody who doesn't plan to keep any cards? They're just a dealer or a flipper. Or, or an investor for a medium term. Uh, is there anything wrong with that? And like, there's always like this thing going back and forth about like, well, maybe there is, maybe there isn't, you know, it, you know, it, and it's just becomes these debates and they're interesting. But the thing that I took away from it is that, well, look, everybody in the hobby has a personal brand. Maybe your personal brand is that you're a dealer 
And that's that's the community that you surround yourself with is you know, you're constantly moving from one card to the next. That's your personal brand. Collectors, what what's the advantage of being a collector? That's a question that people would ask. Like, you know, why would I want to be a collector? Does a collector have to believe that their collection, if it goes to zero, that they still love it and enjoy it and so forth? And I was like, well, one of the things, one of the great perks to being a collector is that you get to have a really clearly defined personal brand. People associate you with a player. And if you choose a very successful or, or a very high profile elite player, you get to just associate yourself with an, an incredibly accomplished player and brand. And there's a lot of prestige that comes along with that. So it's, it's almost too easy. It's like if you come into the hobby and you, know, you become a, a Barry Sanders collector, uh, or you know, our friend Josh Keane has taken to Barry Sanders collecting, what a great brand to be associated with. You're the Barry Sanders guy. You're the guy who like, collects the most exciting, fun running back from the 90s. That's incredible. That I want that brand. I want to be known as the Barry Sanders guy. So there's there's Are you stepping into Josh's. I'm not. Don't worry. I'm okay. not coming for that Barry Sanders line. <laughs> but so you can you can build a personal brand just by collecting somebody and just stepping out as a collector of that person. And that's like a hidden benefit to the collecting approach to the hobby that just like is there, but nobody's ever really called it out. So. That's my take on the personal brand stuff. All right, last question here for Josh. Josh, what advice would you give somebody who is looking to carve out their own personal hobby brand? Well, first I would rewind this video by about one minute and just listen to what Chris had to say because I think there's a ton of good stuff in there and also what Christina had to say before that. Um, I was just honestly just kind of listening to you guys and, and learning quite a bit myself from all that. There's a lot of great nuggets. I hope people pulled. The only other thing I could think of really on the advice side is um there's there's maybe this like perception on brand that there's some sort of like uh optimized template that you can follow in order to make a brand like oh pick player uh name your instagram account player you know put post a image of one of each of your cards with like a plain colored background and then make like your icons organized and i think maybe that's not really the and then also just like oh just post every day and be consistent I think it's a lot more than that. I think that stuff can help, like the consistency and, and making it nice looking. But I think it's more of just figuring out what you enjoy and what, what you'll actually want to organically post consistently and every day and, and through these means. So like figuring out what it is you want to start building your brand around is most important and making sure it's something that you really, really enjoy and you have genuine interest. Otherwise, like the you know, the uh the cookie cutter template of like how to build a brand and the hobby and I've seen it a bunch of times, like people just pick something and just kind of go through that template. I'm not sure that that will sustain as long because you just won't enjoy it as much. That's the only, that's the last bit of thought. Uh, that leads to one thought for me as well. And it's in that same vein of avoiding a cookie cutter approach to this is like Christina said it earlier. You, we all evolve, grow up, uh, mature as collectors from the day we started until now. And so if, like Josh said, you're making organic, um, authentic content that really just maps onto what you like and there's a nice harmony there, then you're going to take people on a journey with you as you develop as a collector of that player and as you learn about new products and new sets, as you pick up grails, as you trade and make deals with other people in the community. And everybody's going to see that happen. And that's where the content goes from just you know being good to being great when it become when it goes from being informative to being a captivating story of your personal arc as a collector and how your arc fits into the 
broader arc of the hobby community as a whole. So, wow, good. Glad we got to that segment. That's going to do it this week for Sports Cards Culture. See you guys next week. Thanks for watching. Tell us in the comment section below what the crew should cover next week. And don't forget to subscribe. See you next time in SCC Sports Cards Culture.